underdog sports, but we came here to win. The most legit podcast, that's why we know you're tuning in. We cover the biggest news, we underdogs, but we can't lose. So trust the process, yes you, because we got Chris and Anju to bless you. With the best features, best stories, we diving deep like a Lambo leap. Wake up kid and stop snoring, we on point just like this beat. Bring the passion like the talk pad. In the cold, get a gold brand. Sit back and race the cat, because we start this show like right now. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's episode of uh, The Underdog. Chris Forwardale, joined by Anshu Kana. Anshu! Chris! How you doing? I'm doing pretty well, man. Good to uh, hear your voice yet again. It's been long. I wouldn't say too long, but it's been long. <laughs> and uh, Yeah, how are you? Oh, you so you're saying you could have gone longer. Yeah, I mean, yes, I would say so. <laughs> but we already are. <laughs> Wow, shots fired. All right, yeah, that's, that's it for this week's thing. episode of The Underdog. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I'm taking it as a me thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, lots, lots to talk about. It has been a couple of weeks. The uh, the um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers are Super Bowl champions. I don't really care too much about that, to be honest with you. That's over. Over and done with. <laughs> and next, yeah, we're onward and upward. It's so funny. You spend the whole year like trying to get to the championship Spend like five seconds on the actual championship, and and I'm totally here for it. I don't think we need to belabor that point. Yeah, who cares? Tom Brady won. Shocker! <laughs> this has never happened before. Uh, as of as of right now, I've uh, I think over the last ninety minutes, I've gotten eight different services text me that Tiger Woods was in a car accident and he's having surgery. So the uh, the world loves them some Tiger Woods. Apparently, I hope he's uh, not hurt too badly. Oh, oh, I feel like that was a. Uh... Under the not so understated way of saying you're not the biggest Tiger Woods guy, I mean he's not the best human being in the world, but uh, but who of us is? <laughs> well, I assume one, but um, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I I hope he's all right. That that's unfortunate, and I'm sure you weren't watching the Genesis Invitational, but if you were, <laughs> on Sunday he was interviewed, and uh, he did not seem to be all there. Oh um, yeah. Whether it was, you know, painkillers or whatever. I, and I, I mean, I'm obviously stipulating here completely, but I, I like he just he didn't seem right. And he seemed hmm. kind of down about the fact that he was unlikely to play in the Masters or at, at best sort of iffy um, because of his recurring injury issues. And uh, yeah, I mean, this just kind of adds to it. I mean, it was a, a one car accident where he flies off the highway. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope he's OK, because. Uh, that sport is a lot better with him in, or more intriguing with him involved. That much I will concede, uh, but I do not concede that it is, quote, intriguing at its best. <laughs> um, I don't know. Just, just, golf, is, golf is fine. It's just, it is what it is. I want to I wanna talk a little bit about the, uh, the National Basketball Association, a story that came out today that I thought was really interesting in that, uh, that Mark Cuban is doing his absolute best to deny it every opportunity right now, and that is that the Apparently, the the Mavericks have been reaching out about uh, the trade value of one Kristaps Porzingis supposedly spoke to the Golden State Warriors about a potential deal, and that uh, at the very least they're they're listening to offers for Porzingis. Are you at all surprised by this? Because this did seem like oh Porzingis and and Luca that that's a pairing that can work. Yeah, for sure. I was stunned by it because it it to me it was like all right yeah they're building around these two guys and just trying to find a third piece but you know the Mavs record isn't great obviously Przingis misses what the first month of the season um mm. coming back from injury 
he hasn't been bad. They're they're you know they're playing him thirty minutes a game, and over the two years, I think he's been he's been fine. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's not the dynamic ceiling type of player that we thought we might see when he was in New York there as a second year player. But you know, I I, I mean, I still think he's certainly capable of being at worst the third best player on a champion. Um, I, I'm I, I think it's it's kind of telling that if, if that is out there and, and yeah, Cuban kind of denied it, but I didn't think that none of Cuban's words were like, he is going to be a Maverick. You right. know, we, we signed him to be a Maverick. He's going to be a Maverick. Like it was more like, there's no truth to the rumors, which I always like, you know, the, the, the phrasing of that stuff is always interesting to me. So, yeah. you know, I, I think that when they make that move, they, they were committed to him in some ways. And I'm just not sure they're going to be able to recoup proper value for him if they were to flip him already well it didn't really they didn't really pay too much to get Porzingis in the first place I thought they got him sort of pennies on the dollar um traded no, by the Knicks but the with, re-signing that's true um the Knicks trade him Trey Burke Tim Hardaway Jr. and Courtney Lee for DeAndre Jordan Wes Matthews Dennis Smith Jr. and uh, oh 20... the great you mean the great Dennis Smith Jr. Oh, right look I was wrong about that one <laughs> 2021 first round pick and a 2023 top 10 protected uh first round pick as well but i the thing that i've i've come to wonder today is is Kristaps porzingis just a guy who will never meet the idea of what we think Kristaps porzingis is yeah is his, I mean, is his legend much better than his actual the reality of Kristaps porzingis Right. I think that that's fair. I mean, what was his nickname? The Unicorn, right? The unicorn, like, yeah. He was younger. I mean, that's, that's legend, literally legend. Like, I don't I don't think that that's something that he can ever get to. I mean, like, what made him unique in my mind, obviously being 7'3", is, is just, like, the extra couple inches make him so much more intriguing, you know? But, right. like, he's... The athleticism as a 25-year-old even seems sapped to some mm-hmm. extent. And because of the seriousness of the injuries, I think it's fair to say like he'll never be that sort of like explosive dynamo type player that, like I was saying earlier, that maybe he, it, it looked like he could be as a young Nick. But I like, I still think that he's incredibly useful given his size and his touch and his ability to shoot. And so you know, I, I like I maintain I think that he could be the third best player for sure on a champion and maybe there's more there, you know, like if he could just stay healthy. But that if is just so big at this point that, you know, even if you were to trade him again, like you said, they traded pennies on the dollar for him. I mean, it's just hard to find that guy at any mm-hmm. point in any season. So, like, I don't know what they're looking for. Like, is it worth it to get? I don't know, like a like a basically just a a lottery ticket with a draft pick for him. I, yeah. I mean, I don't know, or just to free up the space to go after somebody else. I just don't know who it is that you're going to go after that's going to give you a better chance of winning than him. At this point. I like the idea of uh, I, I saw Oklahoma City as a potential candidate to make a deal for him. I like the idea of him being traded in a deal for Pokashevsky. I just like yeah. the I mean, two most similar kind of players. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I know Poku made an incredible play yesterday, like a singular play. Yeah, but he's been pretty terrible otherwise. I just, he's, yeah. Like, that's just, <laughs> even if he maxes out, or maybe not maxes out, if he hits like the 70th percentile of what he could be, 
is he ever averaging, you know, 20 and I don't know, 20 and 10 or whatever. Like Porzingis is averaging that this year and he's considered yeah. a disappointment 20 and eight with, you know, two blocks a game. Like that would be a dream come true if you're Oklahoma city for Poku. So I, I mean, oh, yeah. yeah, I know that, I know that Porzingis is getting paid max dollars right now, but that's, you know, that's, that's a big drop off, I think. No, for sure. I, and I just, I just think for the irony's sake that it would be interesting. Oh, I don't think, yeah. I don't gotcha. think it's a good deal for either team. And, and, you know, Pokashevsky is, he is very different than, than Porzingis. His, his big thing is like, he handles the ball so well for a guy his size and he can actually, sh- he can shoot off the dribble, which is, you know, uncommon for a player that size, but yeah, he's so weak and he's just not ready right now. You're right yeah. though. We go back to that, that age 22 season in New York, that 17, 18 season, and Porzingis looks like he is on the cusp of being one of the five best players in basketball. He's 22. He shoots almost 40% from three on five attempts a game. He shoots 80% from the line. The rebounds have always been a little bit disappointing. The max was nine and a half last year, never 10 for a season. One and a half assists uh, and uh, 2.4 blocks, 22.7 a game. Then the injury happens and he's just, he's not the same player. I, I really worry about a guy who is this talented. And, you know, let's not pretend like there haven't been rumblings that maybe he's not the, I, I don't, I, I, I want to yeah, not the hardest worker, perhaps, is the right. way to put it. Uh, and there have right. been some off-the-court issues that speak to maybe or maybe there are, maybe or not character issues. But mm-hmm. it's a real red flag for a guy this talented to be traded twice in six years. Yeah, I mean, I... I totally hear you on that. And at this point, the injuries are going to be a a thing for him until they're not. And, you know, I I don't know that that happens anymore. And it's crazy to say that for just a 25-year-old player, but that's sort of where we're at. And so, I mean, I I don't know. I I think, again, what, like, the Mavs are very much willing to cut bait when something's not working. Maybe they feel like there's something with him and Luca where they're not, they're not playing particularly well, you know, because everything you do, if you're the Mavs should be to surround Luca with players that make Luca as good as he can possibly be. Mm-hmm. I personally, I, I've watched the Mavs a few times with Porzingis and Luca. And I, I don't necessarily see him being like a detriment, but I, I will say that Porzingis, like his, his gravity on the court is so different than what it was before. Like he was the focal point in New York and it feels like he's, he just falls backwards into 20 and eight now. And, um, but that being said, again, like he's working his way back from injuries, apparently perpetually. Mm-hmm. And I, like, I just don't know who you get that, that helps you get there, you know, otherwise. And I, I'm not sure. I don't know. I don't know what like the warriors give them that they're, that eight, that makes them any better or, you know, or puts them in a position to further maximize Luca aside from giving themselves you know, just some flexibility, but I, I also think that, like, you play the flexibility game for too long, and then suddenly, you know, you got the end of a career yeah. with a guy who's just never had a real contender, and so... Well, I don't you're know, the Celtics. I, I think, you're the Celtics if you do exactly, that. Exactly, exactly, and I mean, luckily for luckily for Dallas, they've got the guy already, and I guess the Celtics say, might think they have it with Tatum, but, like, I, I it's, it's really hard for me to even imagine... In a chess from a chess perspective, like two or three or four moves down the line, I don't know what they're doing to get that player unless they do like a, you know, like a 
a bundle the way that other teams have done for great players and get like Beal. I mean, or Town. Mm. I, I don't know. I don't know who that that piece is. That's that's kind of interesting. I don't. Is is Porzingis in that contract? Man, I don't. I don't know if I like him as the best player on a Washington team, but I'm. He may actually like being the best player on a Washington team, though. I he's also a kind of terrible well, fit with Westbrook. Best. Yeah, <laughs> I gotta think Westbrook's better than him. Yeah. Yeah, probably. Probably. That, that's Westbrook is a better basketball player. There's no question about that. The uh, the actual benefit to the team, we'll see. Uh, you know, Westbrook hasn't always brought out the best in his teammates or or the organization he's playing for. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, the Golden State deal doesn't really make sense to me. It's fun to think of Porzingis in that lineup, but Andrew Wiggins would have to be involved because of the cap. And, like, what's the benefit of that if you're Dallas? There, I don't see any. Like, I don't. I don't. The, the only way I'm flipping Porzingis is to basically use him as a match for someone who's actually good that costs yeah. the same amount or to get like the, a trove of picks to ultimately get a guy that can be the, the you know second fiddle to Luca. And I just, I don't see, I don't really see either thing playing out super well because if you were, if you were like the Warriors or someone to try to facilitate that kind of trade for Porzingis, then you would just want the guy Dallas was going to try to get. Right. Beal. So, I mean, it doesn't it doesn't add up to me, but I mean, it's out there for a reason. I'm guessing Cuban or whoever else in Dallas is just floating the rumor just to see, like, hey, hypothetically, what could we get? Is anyone out there sort of captivated by the stats or believes enough in this guy that we can get the assets we need to go after somebody else to to become what we thought Porzingis could be? Yeah. Well, your your uh, Chicago Bulls are a playoff team now. You see yourself as potential buyers. No, I don't. Not not um, just Porzingis, but you know, in general. Well, like you know, if you're Dallas and you're just trying to clear the decks to make a big move, and again, I don't know who's going to be out there to splash with because of you know maybe Giannis would have been interesting had he been had he been out there, but he's mm-hmm. it's not going to happen anytime soon. So like, I don't know. Do you do you trade do you trade Porzingis for just for like marketing for the rest of the year to clear that space and and but Otto Porter. Yeah, Porter to fill the cap. I would assume that would help, you know, satisfy like that. That cap com- number. And if you're the Bulls, that deal now say, works financially, by the way. It does. Mark Markinen plus Porter. Well, actually, Porter himself yeah. would be enough. But oh man, that's hilarious. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you might as well flip Markinen just to see um, if you're Dallas. I like. I don't know. I don't know if the Bulls want to be married to that. But then you know, who knows? Because they do have a you know, Lithuanian president of operations now, and who knows, maybe they, maybe they want to link up with the Euro-style player. Maybe he sees something in Porzingis that other people don't. I I would be very fearful if I'm any team of committing any kind of big number to Porzingis. I, I like him, but I'm mm-hmm. telling you, watching him, have you watched, I don't know if you've watched much Dallas with him, but he just looks like a totally like very very lethargic type of player in terms of like he just seems very cautious like he doesn't want to have that next injury yeah i'll tell you if if you're dallas and you're just really one you're trying to get out of a contract two you're trying to stay relatively competitive you could do worse than porter and markinen i markinen is kind of he theoretically could be the fit that porzingis was supposed to be with uh with, with luca yeah yeah 
and both of them, both uh, he and Porter. And and Porter, I mm-hmm. you know, Porter's a guy I love. Porter's a guy who I can't wait until we go back to him making eight million dollars a year and we can appreciate that Otto oh, Porter's yeah. a good basketball player because he gets yeah. so much hate because of that contract. Otto Porter, he was when the Bulls were terrible at the beginning of the year. Otto Porter was at the absolute top of the list of guys who I were hoping would get bought out after the deadline. Oh yeah, I mean he's he's a legitimately good player. And yeah, he's a good dude, and I mean he's he checks a lot of boxes. Like you know, if you want to win a championship, he's a great you know role player to have, and it you can get him coming off your bench. That's that's a really winning piece. Um, but yeah, I I would assume the Bulls can get something for him, but. It's really hard, to your point, to match salaries for Porter at this point in any kind of trade. Well, the NBA is going crazy, so it's getting easier and easier all the time. But gun to your head. Markin and Porter for Porzingis. Do you do it? So Porzingis has how many years left? Porzingis has three years and $100 million left after this year. Oh, God. Um, I would say, I mean, it's it's... Yeah, sure. Why not? Honestly, because like in three years, who are they going to get? Like who who who's coming to Chicago? You know, is really a two year and then let's see type of deal because by that third year you could potentially get out from it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they but the the problem is that Zach Levine is also a player coming off the books here, and they have to make a decision on him. So the the assumption if they assume that they're going to keep him then they have Porzingis. I think you're basically locked into a team based around Levine and Porzingis. And, you know, that team is probably like a six seed every year <laughs> if Porzingis is healthy. So I don't know. I, I, oh, man. I actually would say probably not. Probably not. Isn't it crazy? Uh, the, that is where we've come with Kristaps Porzingis. Yeah, it is. It's, I mean, it's sad if they, yeah. But, like, you know, a team like the Bulls is different from a team. Yeah, like, obviously, if the Warriors are interested, the Warriors are probably saying, like, hey, if we just give you salary filler to get out from Porzingis, are you up for it? Then the Warriors would be in that spot, though, down the line. And, like, I don't know if they want to be chained to that. And also, how would they possibly do it? With Curry, Clay, him, and Draymond? Is that even possible? Um, No. One other basketball thing I wanted to hit is... I want to talk about Cade Cunningham because mm. Cade Cunningham fascinates me. Long thought to be the foregone conclusion to be the first pick in the draft. Good season, you know, eighteen point seven points per game, shooting forty three percent from three, eighty three from the line, six rebounds a game, three point six assists to four point two turnovers. How concerning is that? I I mean I think that that's something you. Nice you're obviously hoping to to rectify, but I I think that he's got enough skills that I, and especially because he's, you know, he's definitely playing point guard at the next level that I don't know. I think you, I don't know how much it, it sort of converts from college to pros, but I would be, I would be okay with it. Like that, that wouldn't make me want to take somebody else. I think that he's that far ahead of, I mean, I'm, I'm interested to see how he plays against Suggs, assuming they play, they go head to head at some point, but yeah. I like I think that his scoring is just so unique and his like his style really intrigues me from a star at the next level perspective that it wouldn't it would just be something I'd be focused on improving basically. All right. All right. Well, I it's I think it's worth looking at because man, 
if he you can't be a point guard and have a, a sub one to one assist to turnover rate. <laughs> You no, you're you're totally right. Yeah, and I mean it's college. Like, there's really no. And he actually like it's not a terrible team around him at Oklahoma State. So, really no excuse for that. But even if it, you know, I I've never really bought that as an excuse because even if it was, like a turnover is still on you more often than not. Yeah, yeah. He had against Kansas one assist, seven turnovers. <laughs> I think is what it was. Like that's, I mean. And that's not like Kansas isn't like Kansas of old either. And again, it, no. it really doesn't matter. But that's that's terrible, and um, it's something he's got to pull together for sure. Right? Like, it's less about the assist to turnover ratio as it is about just like the raw turnovers. Mm-hmm. I mean, think about how many possessions you're giving up per game in a college game where possessions are you know at a premium. Like that's that's scary. But again, like you know the the shooting is just so great that I would and I mean just like the scoring savvy I think just makes him such a unique talent that should in my mind go go number one I thought he was going to be a triple double machine and it just it hasn't come together for him at uh, at Oklahoma State but yeah I don't know we'll see plenty of time before that I am uh can I tell you I am really starting to get geared up towards the NFL draft. I am uh, I'm there in my head, aren't you? I'm just <laughs> I I, t- I told you I was uh I was doing those the uh, PFN mocks all the time and I, I think course. that still continues. I have got I like to keep my favorite outcome. I I'll, I'll keep my I'll have two open pretty much at all times and I'll keep my favorite outcome and then the other one I will I'll try and to be- do better on. In uh in the in the one that currently sits as my favorite. Uh, I, because I feel like you know the Eagles are, they're in year one of a two or three year rebuild. Mm. I'm not I, at best case scenario. I uh, by the way, Carson Wentz has been traded since the last time we talked. Oh yeah, <laughs> random <laughs> detail. Random uh, that little piece. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm very much in the mold of like the multiple trade downs. Uh, in this mock, I end up going all the way down to thirty, and I get Zayvon Collins, who I think is the single most underrated player in the draft. Single most mm-hmm. underrated. Uh, Jalen Phillips well, at 30, 36, Greg Newsom at 37, Terrace Marshall at uh, 48, Javon Holland at 80, Sean Wade at 117, Marvin Wilson at 125, Chris Rumpf at 151, Paris Ford at 157, and Benjamin St. Just at 172. Also add a uh, first, second, third, and fourth for next year. There you go. I mean, that's and assuming I, I do think next year's picks are going to be more valuable than this year's just from the perspective of like, the higher picks are going to be more valuable because you'll have more data, you know, every pick. And um, I, I, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, every pick really, you're right. Because you'll have more data. Actually. Yeah, really, truly. I, I mean, a fourth rounder this year, it might be the rare scenario where if there's not a guy that I really like in the fourth, like I just trade for a fourth next year, even if it, it you risk it being later, you know, mm. even though most years, you know, there's at least a one round, uh, penalty, you know, like in terms of getting the future, a future pick for this year's pick, this year's pick being worth more. I mean, I, I, uh, th- like, it's just so hard to know where, you know, where teams stand, where players stand. I mean, you're going to get the echo chamber of, oh, this guy's going to be available here, but you know, we're not going to get the combine not being there is such a huge, huge deal. And, mm-hmm. um, I, uh, man, I, I like, it's really hard. Like we are saying the same name. We're seeing the same names. But you just wonder if, 
if Sean Wade could have a pro day or a, a combine, like how he would potentially run or how that might hurt him or that, you know, just some of the names that you bring up, Zayden Collins would have his, his weekend, you know, hypothetically at, at Indy. And so, um, you know, you trust obviously NFL decision makers and they're going to have their own testing at these pro days. But at the same time, as we always talk about, the pro days are, are so inflated or deflated that it, it mm-hmm. really complicates the numbers that we see as as fans and so it's hard to know well and the other element is we're going to be seeing guys drafted who took the year off right oh i mean a lot of them that's so true we have no idea we have no idea what how that'll impact i saw that um uh jim Nagy, the the senior bowl coordinator came Mm -hmm. out and was like you know it was amazing to me that some of these guys that didn't play for a year really after one or two days just knocked off the rust and were the same i mean two things there first of all they're seniors Second of all, right. that's all hearsay, you know, oh, it's, of course. it's like there's there's no way to know. I'm sure half of them were good. Half of them might have been like they probably didn't even belong there. And so really, really hard to um, to like navigate those waters. And again, we've talked about this, too. Same thing with the NBA draft last year. Like this is really going to put um, a I think it's going to be more random, just frankly. But B, I think that it will highlight like the really good evaluation groups in the NFL as well. Yeah. You know, DJ was talking about this on Twitter the other day and it's just like, you know, you're looking at a defensive end this year and he's listed at six, three and you just want to know, okay, is he six, three and a half or is he just over six, two? Like this stuff matters. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You're right. And so you're talking about like pro day potentially inflating or deflating 40 as they do every single time. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, luckily, it does seem like these guys are going to be able to get out to pro days and, you know, teams all do their due diligence, obviously, to the best they can. But there's there's just going to be something lacking by not having that, you know, the scout tour, essentially, that we've had in the for the last two decades, three decades. You know, I mean, they're not able to the caravan of scouts from from campus to campus just wasn't able to be there this year. And so it's going to be really, really, really tricky. And um, I'm, I'm fascinated by it, though. It makes this draft as interesting as any draft there's ever been, I'm sure. Oh, for I think that's 100% true. And I think this is going to be a draft that is utterly impossible to evaluate for three years. Yeah, totally agree with that. And I, you know, we already know that, that teams are captivated by height, weight, especially certain organizations height, weight, speed, athleticism, I wonder, and and age, I wonder if this year we see even more of that, you know, even without a combine. Like, I could see teams just saying, like, forget the quote-unquote football players saying, let's just take a shot on just pure raw speed and, and mm. athleticism and figure it out. If, they, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out, but this was a crapshoot either way. So, And that's where I, I wonder, like, I think that what the Eagles did with Lentz becomes even more interesting because it does it, you know, like at this point they're rooting for Wentz, you know, but at the same time they're going to get, is even if it does end up being a second rounder for him next year and it does, that first doesn't convert, which I highly doubt. I think it will for sure be a first. I do too. Um, but either way, like a second, you could argue pretty strongly that a second rounder next year is still worth about as much as like, a late first this year. And yeah. so I think that that's like, that's where what they did kind of flies under the radar a bit. 
hey, I, you know, it's it stinks to uh, have to give up on a guy who you thought was the future of your organization, but it's became clear that he wasn't. And if you listen, look, uh, it, there's going to be a lot of PR stuff going on after a team trades a player. And how much of that is true stories coming out versus narrative being created is is up in the air. But if you listen to the stuff about Wentz, he just, by all accounts, and it sort of aligns with the things we've been saying about him over the last, you know, six months or so, kind of got a big head and became uncoachable in some areas. It's it, when you're when you're refusing the thing that really stuck with me more than anything else was the story about Wentz not being willing to go over plays that weren't working in practice and redo plays that weren't working in practice. Like, what is what is the point of practice if we're not trying to get this right? Well, I thought the thing that stuck with me was that he and Peterson didn't talk. For oh, yeah. For more than that, I think. I mean, if if that's true, that's just like how how is that even possible to run it? Or, I mean, it's obviously it's on both ends, you know, it's um, but that's like, man, that you just got to be glad to rid yourself of that cancer at that point, you know, on both ends. I like I. I'm shocked it got to that point because Peterson did, did seem to me like a pretty affable guy and Wentz too. And um, it's crazy. Like if we had, I would have never dreamed that this was a conversation we'd have this year, but I wonder, you know, the fact that they took Hertz in the second round last year, you got to think that there was some idea that this might be the case in that, in that front office, right? There's like, no there's way, really, there's no way they didn't have concerns. None. Exactly. A hundred percent. And I, I say the same thing about Rogers with love, and but I mean, really, it, it just that these are two stark examples of the way that that could go. Like when you take a guy like that, um, you know, it can either go one way and, you know, we saw with Brady and Rogers or it could go the other way. And that's clearly what we saw with Lentz. He couldn't handle having, in my mind, that guy there, and, and obviously there were concerns for all three of those teams at various stages of yeah. uh, of the veteran quarterbacks' careers. And by the way, the Eagles stuck with Wentz longer than I would have last year when he was statistically the yeah. worst starting quarterback in football. Oh, man, I'm I'm just so surprised that it got to this point because I like really really thought that he was like a, you know I, I had a conversation with uh, a couple buddies this weekend about like can you ever win a super bowl with this guy and it was mm. we were talking about the bears which whatever it's hilarious with mitch but like <laughs> you know the idea that maybe they would trade for once and I, and i was just basically like i i truly think they dodged a bullet because to me there is no way carson Wentz ever wins a super bowl in chicago with you know with matt Nagy as his coach could yeah, what's, he, could, how, could how does that work? It's the same. Right. It's the same system. And what's the point if you're not yeah. getting there? You know, like what's the point of trading for a guy that you could never win a Super Bowl? What was the point of them trading for Nick Foles? The chances of them winning a Super Bowl with Nick Foles was slim to none. I mean, it was less yeah. than what the Eagles did. The Eagles it took a miracle basically to get to that point. And so, you know, I, I, I in terms of like the everything around him was so perfect. And so, like, for, for the Bears to be in that pot spot is, is absolutely ridiculous. And I think that the Colts the Colts are probably the one team where Wentz has the best chance of realizing that potential. And even then, you know, how much better is he going to be than Phil Rivers was last year? I, like, I think that's the, that's the multi-million dollar question. Yeah, by all accounts, this trade happened uh, to sort of 
do rightish by Wentz and sending him to uh, sending him to Indy to reunite with Frank Reich rather than Chicago, where he was pretty adamant that he didn't want to play. Um, John DeFilippo though is on that staff, uh, so that was the one yeah, thought. Well, that's true, but John DeFilippo was also a guy, and this speaks to to Wentz's personality at this point. DeFilippo was the last guy who would coach Wentz hard. And Wentz, mm-hmm. by all accounts, doesn't want that anymore. It's not something he's open to. He wants his good buddy, Press Taylor. He wants somebody yeah. who's going to tell him he's doing great, regardless of how many interceptions he's thrown that quarter. And, and Reich that is that kind of his buddy, me. isn't he? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah Reich is, is closer to Filippo than a guy like Press Taylor. But, you know, we'll see how... How that that offensive that offensive coordinator quarterback relationship is different than a head coach quarterback relationship, so mm-hmm. we, we will see how that works out in Chicago and or Indy. But I am happy it didn't happen. The Chicago deal didn't happen just because uh, all the talk that the Eagles would get Nick Foles back in trade, and that's just asking for more quarterback drama, deserved or not. Oh yeah, well. Yeah, right. It, it's asking for it. It wouldn't. You'd never start him over Hertz, but you know, yeah, it's it's asking for the locals to to get restless for sure. So uh, I'm interested <sighs> to see what they do to do at quarterback because we, you know, we texted about it and number six being a quarterback, it does not seem off the table by any means. No, no, no. And uh, by the way, I'm mentally preparing myself to draft Kyle Pitts number six overall. <laughs> Hey man, there are worse ways. I, I know they have Goddard, obviously, but there are worse ways to spend a pick. I I want to enjoy this when we do it, so let's not uh, let's let's not waste it on a, the end of an episode where the audio issues are are uh, biting us in the butt. So let's we'll talk about this next week. Uh, so that is it for this week's episode of the Underdog. It's going to be a fascinating edit for me. I've been Chris Horvadel. He's been on Chicana. We thank you for listening, and God willing, we'll see you next week.